Hey, this is Tristan from the Weekly Rewind Podcast, and I love supporting my fellow podcasters, especially the good ones. That's why I never listen to I Got It With Dalimore. Sorry. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 98 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dalamore. And sitting across from me, eager and ready to start the show, is my beautiful, talented, and intelligent co-host, Brittany Page. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Happy Valentine's Day. Mm. Belated mm. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. How did your Valentine's Day go? It was great. Did you take part in the contrived, corporate-created holiday? I ate delicious baby octopus tacos. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice, huh? Mm-hmm. Were they good? They were really good. Super chewy and... Very tender. Yeah? It had a great smoky flavor. And if I could have some right now, I would be eating them right now. You can't, though. Mm-mm. Because as we've talked about on the show previously, your chewing while trying to do a show doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. My chewing anytime doesn't really work. Really? Even you, you even drinking while doing the show doesn't work because you always get caught off guard while you're drinking water or whatever mm-hmm. beverage mm-hmm. you've chosen to drink mm-hmm. during the re- the production mm-hmm. of the show. Yeah, I suck. <laughs> I've almost spit out a uh, fluid, a liquid. Yeah, drink. you have. <sighs> All right. Sorry, I tried to get it in quick, but <laughs> yeah, you did. No, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this week, I had uh, I was talking about um, interviewing with a buddy of mine, and we were talking about. Different things that have gone on during different interviews, and Brittany and I, we kind of, I didn't really have to rack my brain because I've got a classic story, but Brittany also had an interesting story about an interview where she was on the other side of the table. She was the one doing the interviewing or on a panel of people, and uh, why don't you tell everybody what happened? Yeah, so it was a group interview. It was me and probably two other people interviewing a group of probably six to eight people and so it was panel on panel yeah yeah and at the end of the interview you give people an opportunity to ask you questions about the company or about the job or whatever and so we did that and this guy stood up and he had kind of been like a jerk off the entire interview <laughs> So, I mean, he already wasn't going to get the job. I mean, I felt that way. I hadn't discussed it with my my colleagues, but I definitely felt that way. And he stood up and asked me a question and asked if I was a soldier in World War II, would I have killed a Jew? Like if you were a Nazi soldier? Yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I probably, you know, was shocked Even like I'm shocked right now telling it again. Like, who asks that question? Let's also explain that this was an interview for like a token guy, like a token person at, and I don't mean token like a token black guy, 
this was for like a little mini amusement park or an arcade that happened to have a go-kart out back. No, I was an executive CEO for a bank. <laughs> what, why oh, do you have to talk about the company that it was you for? You were an executive <laughs> chief executive officer. That's extra executive <laughs> I was just throwing as many words out as I could. So this wasn't... This wasn't working at the Holocaust uh, Museum. This wasn't working for policy related to <laughs> anything World War II related. This mm-hmm. was this was an amusement park. Yes, and not a World War II themed amusement park either. No, <laughs> and so I just said that that's inappropriate, and he could go ahead and leave now. So, oh, he, what, you didn't hire him right on the spot? No, he huh. was asked to leave immediately. Oh, so. that's great. And he did, laughing and kind of... I don't even know why he was there. Maybe he was dared or something. I don't... It's, that's weird. Yeah, it was a weird thing. Super weird. My story is I was the one being interviewed. And, you know, it's a lot of the same questions. I've been in sales for, for most of my professional life. So, you know, a lot of it was the same deal here. Sell me this pen. I'm going to give you 10 minutes, look at this pen, think of what you're going to say, and then I want you to sell it to me. And a lot of the questions were standard. You know, what are your your greatest strengths? What are your, your biggest weaknesses? And it was the weaknesses question that I, that I answered, you know, procrastination, which it is. I was just honest. It is most certainly my biggest weakness, even today. Usually people just say, like, I'm a perfectionist. They try to give, like, a positive one that could also be spun as negative. I think that's dumb, though. I don't... I think that anybody who's interviewing, I think they want to hear an honest answer. Yeah, I always say perfectionist. Uh, I'm just too much of a perfectionist. (laughs) I just care too much. Exactly. (laughs) Except for I really am a perfectionist. Anyway, so... So I, I gave mine, and then we that was like the wrap-up of the interview. And then he did the same thing. you have any questions? I said, well, you know, I'm kind of curious. What, uh, you've been doing this a long time. What, uh, what answer do you give? You know, or would you have given, given that same question, facing that qu- same question? The weakness question. The weakness question. And he went off into this <laughs> story about... It was kind of a meandering story. He didn't directly say, oh, I'm a racist. But he said... Well, you know, when I was in the army during Vietnam, I just hated Puerto Ricans. <laughs> wow. And he said, you know, he knew that I had been in the Marine Corps. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure the audience knew that. But he knew I had been in the service and he 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 wanted to relate a little bit. So he told me the story about being in close quarters for the first time and he's in a Quonset hut or a, a small unit with bunk, bunk, bunk beds. And he was around Puerto Ricans for the first time, and he did not like the Puerto Ricans, and he had to learn. Wow. He had to learn to get along with all these people he didn't like. Wow, pretty amazing. That is an uncomfortable situation. I got the job. I'm not sure if it was because of the fact that I knew about his <laughs> the kryptonite that is Puerto Ricans to him. Right, <laughs> that's probably it. So just funny, I think. Uh, I'd like to know if the audience has any uh, interesting, memorable stories related to either interviewing or being interviewed. If you do, 657-464-7609. Of course, the old trusty record yourself on your cell phone and email it to idoubtit at dollamore.com. So I have another one as oh, well. Oh, good. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was, again, me interviewing someone. 
And it was at the same place, a, a fun center with go-karts, mini golf, you know, laser tag, video games, right. all that stuff. And we were again interviewing a group of people and there was like this older guy that had applied and he was like in his 30s, I think. Hey, that's uh, that's a little creepy. Right. And I think he said like he had just gotten out of the service or something. And so he was wanting a job that was more low key or something like he gave some story that seemed like it might be plausible. But then right. when you like really think about it, you're like, no, you could do something else, guy, you know? Right. But everyone that I was interviewing with was enamored by him. They loved him. They thought he was funny. They thought all this stuff. And he was just creep to me. I mean, everything he said, I'm like, this guy is just a creepy weirdo. Well, because everybody who worked for the fun center, they were all kids. Right. I mean, it's a teenage job. Right. Well, I was a teenager, too, but apparently I <laughs> had enough awareness to know there was something not cool about this guy. Well, I'm just explaining that for a thirty, a guy in his mid-30s or oh, whatever right. to want to work at this place. Right. And not in a management position. Right. Right. But it, we hired him. It's only... I mean, it's, it's like working at a McDonald's when you're 30, when you have other options. Right. So, yeah. so I got overruled and we hired him. And he ended up like wanting to take like 16 year old girls to prom and he ended up like um being fired for sexual harassment of me oh yes because he touched me inappropriately wow. on, on my ass was there an insertion or no no, no insertion? there was just grabbing and so he a lot of like inappropriate grabbing just of a, the ass just a grab so not a pro it wasn't appropriate ass grabbing <laughs> It was inappropriate. It was inappropriate. Okay. Very inappropriate. I just and want, listen, I want to paint a picture for the audience. And so I tattled and <laughs> I tattled. Um, he got <laughs> fired and he's obviously, you know, there was something wrong with him. And I you, knew from the beginning and I'm like, I told everybody here that there was something wrong with this guy. I would love for you to look this guy up on Facebook, do a little Facebook stalking, as it were, and uh, see what this guy's doing. Maybe he's doing uh, five to ten for for uh, insertion. Yeah. If you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. <laughs> so a little a little bit more of home story. Th this I don't know if this has made national news, but my personal high school is there's a little bit of controversy surrounding my high school that I went to uh, this week. There is a, a movement to get a license plate, a an auto license plate that has that features my high school mascot on it, and uh, a newspaper from a neighboring town. The editor didn't think this is a good idea, and he wrote a scathing review of the mascot and how it shouldn't it's inappropriate i like how you keep saying mascot you're being very careful not to reveal what the mascot is yet i am an artisan yes you're doing a good an job artisan. so good job so anyway th th this has been the mascot's been around since about 1920 in the 1920s we'll say and several times even when i was in high school there was controversy surrounding it i guess i guess i'll just i'll come out with it um, my mascot was a maniac. Mm hmm The maniacs. Ah, the Orofino maniacs. And the kicker is that the Idaho State Mental Hospital happens to also be in my hometown. Mm hmm And the Idaho State 
prison also happens to be right there. Mm-hmm. And the Idaho State Juvenile Diagnostic Unit. So it juvie. is a great place to live. Yeah, great. Well, it is a great place to live. I had a I, I don't regret anything about growing up there. However, the mascot all about every ten years, every five, eight years, some psychologist or some psychiatrist hey, watch your tone. who doesn't know a goddamn thing about the history of the mascot writes a letter chastising the school. Oh, you need to change your mascot because it's offensive and it is making light of serious medical condition. And the problem is, is that the mascot's not um, based around... I mean, the, the state hospital came there after we were already the Orphenomaniacs. The other point that I want to bring up, that which I think is funny, doesn't really have to do with the maniac thing, but the state hospital and the state prison are literally a stone's throw from the parking lot of the high school. It's it's all right there. Hmm, interesting. So that's how close in proximity it is. However, the mascot came about because in the 1920s, it's a, I come from a very poor area, and the, the high school, the basketball team, didn't have the funds to have matching uniforms. So they all just kind of ragtag, wore whatever they could, and it got said in a newspaper that they look like maniacs running up and down the court. Well, of course, that's stuck because that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And from then on, they became the Orofino Maniacs. And then the state hospital just found where they had a maniac <laughs> logo yeah. and moved in right next door. Maybe we should blame this on the state hospital, not on the school. Well, I like how the mayor of Orofino was interviewed and said, I really think it would be highly inappropriate to go into the state hospital and call any of their patients a maniac. Well, I, I think that would be correct. <laughs> I actually went to high school with the, the city of Orofino's mayor and we tried to get him on the show, but schedules were conflicting because I am a lazy, once again, procrastinating turd who did not get in touch with him in time, and it was too late in notice. So maybe we'll have him on as a follow-up segment to see what exactly happens. But I just wanted to talk about this because it's a super unique mascot. There's only one maniac mascot of all of them. Right. I mean, you, you have your 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 Vikings and your Spartans and your... What were you? What um, was your high school mascot? My high school mascot w- was Maverick. Oh, Mavericks. the Mavericks. Wow, my that's so... middle school mascot was the Cherokees. Oh, oh. And my elementary... See, that's racist. My elementary school mascot was the Wildcats. The Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wildcats, Cherokees, Mavericks. In junior high, we were the Vikings. I can hear radios being turned off all over the world right now, so we'll move on. But we'll, <laughs> we'll try to get Ryan on and have a follow-up to see exactly what happens and whether... Idaho will get a state license plate for the, the the vehicles in the state that has the awesome Maniac logo on it. In less serious news, Obama went to the Congress to get a war authorization from them. And there's, as you would expect, a lot of a lot of bullshit going on on both sides related to the matter because it's Congress and they have way too much time on their hands to make problems out of nothing. The proposed legislation, Mr. Obama, as the New York Times is calling him, the New York Times, I mean. He's, they called him Mr. Yeah, Mr. Obama. Not President Obama. Yeah. 
The proposed legislation Mr. Obama sent to Capitol Hill would impose a three-year limit on American action that has been conducted largely from the air and, while allowing special operations commandos and other limited missions, would rule out sustained large-scale ground combat. It would also finally repeal the expansive 2002 congressional measure that authorized President George W. Bush's war in Iraq. And um, when introducing this, uh, he had this to say at the White House. Today, my administration submitted a draft resolution to Congress to authorize the use of force against ISIL. I want to be very clear about what it does and what it does not do. This resolution reflects our core objective to destroy ISIL. It supports the comprehensive strategy that we've been pursuing with our allies and our partners. A systemic and sustained campaign of airstrikes against ISIL in Iraq and Syria, support and training for local forces on the ground, including the moderate Syrian opposition, preventing ISIL attacks in the region and beyond, including by foreign terrorist fighters who try to threaten our countries, regional and international support for an inclusive Iraqi government that unites the Iraqi people and strengthens Iraqi forces against ISIL, humanitarian assistance for the innocent civilians of Iraq and Syria who are suffering so terribly under ISIL's reign of horror. The resolution we've submitted today does not call for the deployment of U.S. ground combat forces to Iraq or Syria. It is not the authorization of another ground war like Afghanistan or Iraq. The 2,600 American troops in Iraq today largely serve on bases. And yes, they face the risks that come with service in any dangerous environment, but they do not have a combat mission. They are focused on training Iraqi forces, including Kurdish forces. As I've said before, I'm convinced that the United States should not get dragged back into another prolonged ground war in the Middle East. Obama is clearly a lawyer and probably a decent one. I don't know that he's ever practiced law, but he's taught it and he understands it. And he understands that words have power and words have meanings. No. Yeah. Well, no. Here's the thing. For, for those of you international listeners or those of you who are American but haven't picked up a fucking book to understand how our Constitution works and how how our uh, our government is set up. The, the president, although he is the commander in chief of the armed forces of the United States of America, doesn't have the ability. He doesn't have carte blanche to just send them wherever he wants them to go for extended periods of time. He can send military units and military forces for short periods, 90 day periods in what are kind of commonly referred to as police actions. He can do that. But if he wants extended uh, utilization of the military, he needs uh, the head nod, a vote from Congress under the War Powers Act to do that. And so that's what he's doing. Or, I'm sorry, under the Constitution, just the Constitution. And that is what he's doing, which is good. However, the fact that he says that it's not going to um, involve combat troops, there are already 2,600 combat troops on the ground. And just this last week, ISIL overtook a town that is merely five miles away from their base. Five miles. So what is going to happen when ISIL comes to that base to try to attack? They're going to be in combat. Just because they're not currently in a combat role, that only will take as long as it takes ISIL to take up an offensive position against them. 
So, listen, I, I well, I was going to say, I don't like to be the guy who says, I told you so. But who are we kidding? <laughs> sure seems like you do. I love being the guy who says, I told you so. And several months ago, when this sustained bombing, and I say that with a smirk because there was no sustained bombing. If there had been sustained bombing, um, more of a dent in ISIL's position would have been um, accomplished. But I said many months ago that you cannot win this type of, of, of war, and don't kid yourself, that is what it is. You cannot win this type of engagement with merely air power. You need boots on the ground. Obama is now learning that. We're going to have to have boots on the ground, whether they're the Kurds, whether they're Iraqi regular military, whether there's some kind of Syrian resistance, we have to have that. So he's learning that. I just hope he does the right thing in a timely manner to extinguish the influence and the carnage that ISIL is readily displaying and perpetrating against the people of the Middle East. They're actually influencing in Libya now, which is several countries away. And I actually read today that they have started slicing the heads off of people who are smokers because oh. <laughs> it is slow suicide. Right. And suicide that's obviously is, right. not. It's against the Quran. Right. So because they smoke, it's slow suicide. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they're, they need to have their heads cut off. Mm -hmm. Ugh. It, what if your genetics just predispose you to cancer? Are they going to start like genetic testing uh, and see <laughs> who's committing slow suicide just they, by having genetics that it, predispose them? It, it may just be me, but I don't think that they're sophisticated enough to do genetic testing. But you never know. They have surprised us in the past. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then before moving on, I do want to talk about this. Obama recently was kind of cornered. David Axelrod has come out, who was his chief of staff, a very high-level advisor to the president. And he wrote a book, and every time that happens, you know, the milk gets spilled and things that aren't supposed to be talked about get talked about. And Obama right now is having to back away and denying that he didn't mislead the voters on the gay marriage issue. Right. So in a 1996 campaign questionnaire, Obama wrote that he was in favor of same-sex marriage, a position he reversed 12 years later when he was running for president. Right. And then he came out and said that he believes marriage is a union between a man and a woman. And that was 2008. And then in 2012, he expressed support for gay marriage. Right. May, uh, middle of May, 2012. So David Axelrod wrote in his new book, that Obama told him after an event where he maintained his opposition to same-sex marriage, quote, I'm just not very good at bullshitting. Right. And Axelrod said that Obama made the shift for political reasons and that, quote, opposition to gay marriage was particularly strong in the black church. So obviously Obama is saying, quote, I think David is mixing up my personal feelings with my position on the issue. I always felt that same sex couples should be able to enjoy the same rights legally as anybody else. And so it was frustrating to me not to, I think, be able to square that with what were a whole bunch of religious sensitivities out there. So he's kind of going going around what what the truth is. And here is what would be so great is if Obama came out and said, yes, I've been for same sex marriage since 1996 when I took that questionnaire. But 
I had to lie in order to win a presidential election because unfortunately the public sucks and yeah. I had to I had to kind of go along with what the majority would agree with. And if he would come out and say that, oh my god, how amazing would that be? Well, I think it would it would uh, garner him a lot of praise from rational people because we do have a system where like for instance, let's say this. I don't believe Obama is a Christian. I don't believe Obama believes in God. I just, he doesn't strike me as a believer. He doesn't go to church. He's, he seems too smart for that. And I'm not saying people who believe in God are all dumb. I'm not saying that. But Obama just does not strike me as a believer. Where George W. Bush, really, I believe he <laughs> thinks Jesus spoke to him. Mm-hmm. So gave him some sound advice. Yeah, yeah. In moments he, of need. He, he really had the bat phone yeah. <laughs> line, dialed up with he had Jesus on speed dial to find out just how many of those uh, Iraqis he needed to wipe out. But so like Obama feels that he he needs to lie about that as well. You you feel in order to get elected. And right. many politicians have to lie about things many, they might really many, feel. I think maybe all of them do. Right. Just to win the support of the public. And it would be nice and refreshing if someone would just come out and, and say that like Th- yes i have supported it all along i just had to lie i'm sorry i suck that's the word refreshing it would be very refreshing and i think it would go down very very well of course the partisan the calcitrant partisan freaks are gonna hate him for it oh he's a liar he's a liar but he's no more a liar than mitt romney who once supported gay marriage and then decided oh, i'm gonna run for president in a general presidential election, not just in Massachusetts, I need to get support. So I'm going to change my mind. So he was also pro-choice. Right. He he evolved on many different topics. So he devolved on many different yes. topics. Yes. Well. <laughs> yes. So get your shit together, Pro- President Obama. Come out, tell the truth, just say it was necessary for you to get elected. And in order for you to get your agenda through, you had to get elected. And to do so, you needed to dumb down your message to the lowest common denominator, which happened to be the gay marriage thing at the time. I mean, who knew it was going to be a whirlwind of change in just a matter of a few years. And here we are with the majority of the United States states having gay marriage be legal and the majority of Americans also believe it should be legal. So who knew? So sad news this last week, another free speech related shooting in Europe, this time in Denmark, where we have many listeners. Um, It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing that, that we as a civilized society have to be weary of going to meetings to discuss the issue of free speech, that there might be a a lone gunman hanging out with an automatic weapon to create fear, terror, mayhem, murder. It's a terrible thing. Right. And I think there is a a video of Christopher Hitchens talking about free speech, and I'm going to post that on the Facebook page and Twitter page tomorrow. So when you hear this, hopefully it'll be up and you can go check that out because I think it's a really important thing, especially when events like this happen. But additionally, um, I would love to hear from our listeners in Denmark that are close to this 
kind of what what was it like being reported on the news kind of what was the the tone of people in Denmark you know just kind of what's going on on the ground there it would be interesting to hear from our listeners that live there kind of what's going on it's it's a uh... There's a lot of talk right now because there's a speculation. They have not, as of the time that we are talking into these mics, they have not released the name of the shooter. He has been killed. He 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 shot into the windows of a meeting where they were having the free speech discussion. He escaped. Ten hours later, he fired on some security guards outside of a Jewish center, and he killed a, a, a couple of bystanders, I think or at least one, and he was killed. They have not released his name. I don't know if it's for investigative reasons where they want to track down his cohorts or if it's just a matter of uh, 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 trying to notify or you know whatever methods and madness there is behind the investigation. Um, but there's a lot of talk right now about this being a maybe just a copycat. They're not calling it terrorism until they verify or whatever. My point would be that even if it is just a copycat, and let's say this is just your average white Dane, it's still a product of terrorism. Because if there hadn't been the massacre at the offices of Charlie Hebdo, there wouldn't be anything to copycat. If those Islamists, those radical Muslims, had not done what they did, there wouldn't be anything to copycat. So whether or not this is just some mentally deranged person and not someone related to the religion, it's still a product of the religion. So we're thinking of you, Denmark. Keep your chin up and uh, keep fighting the good fight. They are, uh, they are definitely a people who cherish free speech. Um, they have, for many, many, many years, had cartoon cartoonists who have been uh, under under fire and had death death threats so it's uh dangerous time so related to this the institute for economics and peace just released uh, uh, uh some data about religious extremism being the main cause of terrorism per their their global terrorism index the report recorded 18,000 deaths in 2013 a rise of 60 percent on the previous year the majority, 66% of these were attributable to just four groups, Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, Boko Haram in Nigeria, the Taliban in Afghanistan, and Al-Qaeda. Overall, there have been a five-fold increase in deaths from terrorism since 9-11. The report's authors attribute the majority of incidents over the past few years to groups with a religious agenda. Wow. Well, no surprise. No surprise there. But it's nice to have the data to be able to point to idiots like Reza Aslan or C.J. Werleman who deny at every turn and who refuse to accept the, the details that, that fall right into their lap of these kind of data points. Additionally, 80% of deaths from terrorism in 2013 occurred in just five countries, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Nigeria, and Syria. It, listen, it doesn't matter where it is. It's still it's innocent human beings being killed in the name of religion. And before 2000, 
It was a nationalist separatist terrorist organization such as the IRA and Chechen rebels who were behind the most attacks. The number of incidents from the nationalist separatist group has remained relatively stable in the recent years since, while religious extremism has grown. The prevalence of Islamist groups in Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Nigeria, and Syria is the main driver behind these trends. Huh. Well, like I said, good data. Um, good to have in your hip pocket when talking to the likes of uh, the aforementioned Reza Aslan or C.J. Werleman. So something not quite as dire, uh, Northeastern University just uh, released a, a study about whether or the perception about whether a professor is bossy or brilliant really hangs on whether or not uh, the professor is a man or a woman. Right. A professor named Benjamin Schmidt from Northeastern University, he's a history professor. He built a chart using data from 14 million student reviews on RateMyProfessor.com. Wow. It allows you to search for any word to see how often it appeared in reviews and how it was broken down by gender and department. The chart makes vivid unconscious biases. The implications go well beyond professors and college students to anyone who gives or receives feedback or performance reviews. It suggests that people tend to think more highly of men than women in professional settings, praise men for the same things they criticize women for, and are more likely to focus on a woman's appearance or personality and on a man's skills and intelligence. Male professors are brilliant, awesome, and knowledgeable. Women are bossy, annoying, and beautiful or ugly. <laughs> Goddamn. Um, this is very odd to me. I mean, it, it doesn't really shake me to the core it doesn't shock me but it's odd because i know when i hear you talk about your female professors you you sit in admiration of many many of them because they are strong and very intelligent and driven and confident these are the words that i hear when you talk about your your female professors yeah i don't get it but I mean, I, I obviously this is just how it falls on average. You know, there's right. always going to be individual differences. But I mean, I definitely am inspired by my strong female professors. I have one this semester in particular that is just awesome. She's confident. She's strong. She's super intelligent. She walks around the room. She owns the room when she's giving her lecture. And I kind of like am put in a spell during class. Like I just think <laughs> she's so awesome. Yeah. And I would never think, oh, she's bossy or eh. like I would never think something something negative about her because she's inspiring to me. I yeah. want to be like that, you know, so it's weird to me that women are being criticized when they're just exuding confidence or or being knowledgeable. And I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I don't. Um, I mean, I, when I look back and think of the the female professors that I've had, they they're typically more on the ball, less easily distracted than male professors in my experience. W looking back, it's easy. I found it to be very easy to get a guy distracted and off topic about whatever else. And maybe this is an ego thing where they start talking about themselves way easier for a man to distract a man a male professor than it has been to distract and get off topic a woman. And I don't know if that's 
maybe that's even sexist of me, but a reverse <laughs> situation. But that's that's typically how I, you know, when I go back through and think about the the different professors I've had, I I have no bias against the women at all. Yeah, the Mr. Because Schm- I'm just that cool. Right. Mr. Mr. Schmidt, who put this thing together, says that he doesn't know the gender of the reviewers. So that's another thing to take into consideration, that he doesn't know who is writing what. But men are most likely to be described as a star. That's weird. Knowledgeable, awesome, or the best professor. Women are more likely to be described as bossy, disorganized, helpful, annoying, or as playing favorites. Well, even, listen, even even when the whole bossy, you know, women are strong, they're not bossy or whatever, the whole don't, whatever that campaign was a few months ago, um, or almost a year ago now, um, women are also, I, I'm not saying a majority, but largely responsible for negative uh, viewpoints about other women. It's not just a man, men being chauvinistic or or negative about women, it's also women being negative about women so it's i'm sure it goes both ways right i also think it's weird that someone would describe their professor as bossy um it's your professor yeah they're supposed to be telling you what to do effectively they are your boss so (laughs) quit being so whiny how about that yeah Men and women seemed equally likely to be thought of as tough or easy, lazy, distracted, or inspiring. Interestingly, women were more likely to be described in reviews as role models. So that's good. Strange. Yeah. And nice or rude are also most often used to describe women than men. Hmm. Nice or rude. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that those should matter. Nice or rude. So... Yeah. <laughs> At all. I mean, yeah. I, listen, I don't even think it, it's too often, especially in this collegiate atmosphere and environment that it's, oh, they didn't they don't say please or thank you or they're not here to hold your hand. They're here right. to teach you. Right. You're here to do to accomplish the learning objectives. Right. Why do they have to kiss your ass? And uh, it just. It's, it's weird because there are like Facebook pages for um, Fullerton students, for like psychology Fullerton students, and people will post and say, who has had this instructor for this class? How hard are they? And that's a weird question to me because aren't you here to learn? Don't right. you want someone who's going to challenge you? You want to take a class that's just super easy and you don't even have to read anything. You don't have to do any work. Like. Right. I guess I just don't get that. Just looking for the easy A. Yeah, because you're paying for school. You're paying for this. Don't you want to come out of it like having some facts to throw in people's faces, like right. during a debate? Have a little ROI, <laughs> a little a little return on your investment. Yes. It's weird. I don't know. They're buying grades. Give me all the bossy professors in the world. <laughs> and this is somewhat related, but th- there's an article about uh, how elementary school teachers and their biases can discourage girls from math and science. I thought this was super interesting. Yes, it points to the influence of teachers' unconscious biases. So they're not purposefully... Yeah, it's not an active uh, attempt to get girls to not play with trucks and be bad at math. Right. Beginning in 2002, the researchers studied three groups of Israeli students from sixth grade through the end of high school. The students were given two exams, one graded by outsiders who did not know their identities and another by teachers who knew their names. In math, the girls outscored the boys in the exam graded anonymously, 
but the boys outscored the girls when graded by teachers who knew their names. This is strange to me because... I want to say one more thing, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. The effect was not the same for tests on other subjects like English and Hebrew. Because their girls are expected to be good at those. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's weird to me, though, that a subject like math could be graded any differently whether you know the person or not because the answer should be the answer. Yeah, that is interesting. Very weird. But I think that, and given your experience in in graduate school, this is why I've come to this conclusion, that everything should be graded blind. No Mm. one should have a number or no one should have their name known until afterward because natural biases, they they take place. And you, you, everything you do is with your name not on your paper or it folded down or whatever to, to where your professor or your professor reads your paper or whatever it is, not knowing who it is, so they grade it with no bias. Last semester was like that. This semester hasn't been going like that. Huh. But yeah, last semester, like on our final and stuff, we would have to choose like a, a number code to write. And then on a separate sheet, we would, we would write our name and our number code so that when they were grading, they had no idea. It just had a number on it. Yeah. So... You know, if you're grading it, you're not thinking, oh, this is that girl who fell asleep during my lecture or, oh, right. this is the person that eats during class all the time that, it, that I hate. <laughs> or is on their phone or is right, on Facebook. Right. Th- Something that you don't like about them. This most certainly should be the way that it is. Right. So the researchers in this study concluded that in math and science, the teachers overestimated the boys' abilities and underestimated the girls and that this had long term effects on students' attitudes toward the subjects. So, you know, for a long time, we have kind of heard about how girls don't perform as well as boys in math and science. And this is kind of getting to what might be that underlying cause, because it's not just that girls are stupid. Of course not. It could be this kind of influence where from the beginning, from a young age, they're treated differently in those classes by their teachers. I mean, think of how detrimental that is. Well, it would lead to if you're giving... If you're given a bad grade because you know it's a female who has taken the test and they did well, but you score them lower than they should have, that's discouraging. Because in their mind, they finish the test, they think, ah, I did really well, and then they get a lower grade than than was justified. That's going to discourage anyone. And why continue on the path towards something in in that field of study if you always are underperforming? You're going to choose something else. It's fascinating research. I'd like to see I'd like to see more of this. I'd like to see, like I said, the anonymous grading um, implemented everywhere. It should be that way. They also tracked the advanced math and science courses that the students chose to take in high school. After controlling for other factors that might affect their choices, they concluded that the girls who had been discouraged by their elementary school teachers were much less likely than the boys to take advanced courses. Wow. So... It just sucks. Yeah, that's a bummer. Taking care of biz. I have two stories again. Two? Yeah. Two stories? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. So my first one is having to do with Fifty Shades of Grey. All right. And it is the Australian Today Show anchor Lisa Wilkinson. And she saw the movie and she just loved it. Uh, You should listen to her review here. 
good song indeed. So all morning we have been promising you at home a very, very special yep. film review. Um, a la David and uh, Margaret, uh, we've got Dickie and Lisa now mm. uh, who have mm. taken over mm. from that wonderful SBS show that's now not, no longer with us. Sadly. However, it's now over to Lisa for her review of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, Carl, because I've got something I want to get off my chest. Oh. Now, my husband had a big smile on his face on last single, night. I think, oh, over there, you yeah, want to yeah. close up? Okay. Up the so, Pete had a big smile on his face last night when he discovered that I was heading off to see Fifty Shades of Grey. Why did he have a smile at that? Shush. Okay. This was the book series, after all, that left women all over the world wanting more, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Sure, I was the only woman I know who had. I hadn't read the books, but hey, 100 million copies sold must make a good movie, right? Yeah. Yes! Wrong. Oh. Fifty Shades of Grey is, quite simply, the worst movie I've ever seen. Whoa. With a script that makes Mills and Boone read like bleeding dickens oh. and lines like, I don't do romance, oh. Jamie Dornan as Christian Grey is the 30-something jerk of a billionaire oh. who never seems like to that. work, oh. an emotionally crippled narcissist. Oh. No one could love. Oh. Meanwhile, Dakota Johnson is the one-dimensional lip-biting. Could someone get that girl a chapstick? Oh. That pathetic Anastasia Steele, who for no discernible reason falls in love with the aforementioned jerk and single-handedly sells women across the world short. Whoa. Yes, Fifty Shades of Grey is more appalling than appealing. Yes. It's domestic violence dressed up as erotica. Oh. And if there's one thing this movie is not... It's erotic. Say it, sister. So did One you like it? star out of five, Whoa. Dickie. And that's only because of the excellent chop top I consoled myself with later. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I know you're wondering, as to Pete, no, he didn't get lucky last oh. night because after two hours of complete drivel, I need more than a chop top to pop my corn. Mm -hmm. So you didn't like it much. Didn't like it. Where did your two stars come from? Well, I thought the soundtrack was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that is a lot to take in, is it not? No pun intended, because it's about Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. Listen, I don't know what in the hell's going on with Australian <laughs> morning TV. They were very excited. It's a weird... Well, it's contrived. It's just... Let's, oh, yeah. They're just really <laughs> enthusiastic about like she's really she's really sticking it to him. No pun intended. All right. Listen. Listen to this. Right. Yes. yes. Wrong. Oh. Fifty Shades of Grey is quite simply the worst movie I've ever seen. Whoa. An emotionally crippled narcissist. Whoa. No one could love. Whoa. Could someone get that girl a chapstick? Oh. And single-handedly sells women across the world short. Whoa! Because of the excellent chop top I consoled myself with later. Oh, yeah. I need more than a chop top to pop my corn. Oh! Yeah. Hey, Amen, sister. It needed to be said. I don't know what passes as really kind of like a burn, but... None of that really rose to the occasion for me to be, woo, woo, oh, wow, oh, damn, son. None of that. Um, <laughs> apparently, they they disagree. Wow. But I thought it was, I thought it was a very good review oh, that she gave. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Brittany, whoa. <laughs> okay, that's annoying right there. I don't know how she made it through the whole thing with them doing that in the background. Oh, what? Brittany! So, 
so of course I didn't read the books and I haven't will not read the books and I will not see the movie um but she seems to come away from the movie feeling like a lot of people do about the books and the movie it seemed I mean other than the one line about it's erotica dressed up it's a uh, domestic violence dressed up as erotica other than that though she just she was kind of commentary on the actors and their performance that what's her name was a terrible Anastasia but how would she know that hadn't she read the books I don't think she said that she just called her a one-dimensional character oh well she said that the, the lip-biting actress was a terrible Anastasia is what she said which I think is odd but I think her criticisms, look, going into the movie, having not read the books, is totally fine. I would say most movies that I see that were based on books, I didn't read the books. So all I'm going on is what I see. Like, I didn't I didn't read American Sniper, but I can make a judgment based on having read the book. Her not having read the books is fine to go in and make a judgment about it, about the, the specific issue of domestic violence. So Lisa Wilkinson, the woman who just gave the review, is not associated with the hashtag that we talked about on the last episode, the 50... $50, not 50 shades. Right. Yeah. But she apparently came away with the same idea. Yeah. Um, that it it seems like a an abusive situation. Well, so the movie also has like a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes and like a 50% oh, from the audience. Is it, so is it up to 30%? It's completely rotten from both critics and... And the audience. Last I looked, it was at 24%, which is a turd. Any way you slice it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to see it. And not even about the issues at hand related to the the, the 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 abuse of women or the stalking or the control or any of that. I'm not going to see it because it looks like a terrible fucking movie. So. Right. So, terrible movie. So, so uh, what's next? What's the second um, taking care of biz story? The second Taking Care of Biz story is a 115-year-old woman, 115 years and nearly three months. They have to, you know, put in those other increments because you're... Well, when you get to that age, <laughs> every extra second you get is a big deal. Right. So her name is Emma Morano, and she lives in Verbania, Italy. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I'm saying that right. I don't either. And she is the oldest person in Europe the fifth oldest in the world and one of only a handful of people whose lives have straddled three centuries. Wow. What, uh, what is her secret to old, long life, old age and long life? Raw eggs. What is she? Sylvester Stallone, which she has been eating three per day since her teens. When a doctor recommended them to counter anemia. Now, listen, when you were a teenager, that doctor didn't know a lot about stuff. Okay. <laughs> Lots of things have changed. Apparently it's working, though. I mean, that's probably not the reason she's 115. She is also convinced that being single for most of her life after an unhappy marriage that ended in 1938 following the death of an infant son has kept her kicking. This is the second old lady. This is the second... 110 plus year lady who has said stay away from the dudes yes apparently they're not not a fan of penis which leads us
This episode's Florida Files is brought to you by whatever plastic surgery company that decided to take inches off this young man's penis in Florida. Surgeons in Florida have given a 17-year-old boy what's being called the world's first penis reduction surgery. The teen came to doctors complaining of a penis that is too large for intercourse. And the doctors laughed and told him to go home. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) This is according to an article in the Journal of Sexual Medicine published online in November. He was also unable to play sports or even wear most clothing without his phallus showing through the fabric. What a prick. The penis was (laughs) seven inches long and had a circumference of 10 inches. Now... Listen, when I first read this and read that particular number, I grabbed a fabric measuring tape to find out exactly how big 10 inches is around. And you just go and measure a couple wine bottles, and that's 10 inches around. A wine bottle, that's how big this kid's penis was before the surgery. 10 inches inches in circumference that (laughs) that is ridiculous his penis had inflated like a balloon said the urologist at the university of south florida who treated the patient the shape and massive size of the penis was the result of the teen's sickle cell anemia Irregular blood cells would block penile blood vessels and lead to swelling and priapism a long lasting and painful erection This had happened three times since the boy was 10, which progressively led to a deformed penis. Now, this is kind of what they did to fix this. And this might be a little bad for people to hear. You're kind of cringing as you say it. It's it's not good. His team ended up opting to slice along the patient's circumcision scar. Oh, come on now. Unwrap the skin and then remove chunks of tissue from each side. So they they peeled his penis like a banana. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh. He added that the teen is very satisfied with his new penis, which is still, quote, generous in size, but is now more standard in appearance. So good for him. Wow. It's still generous in size. But you know where this is going to go next is, well, did they already do penis implants? I I have no idea. I don't need that. Okay. Well, if they're not, that's the next thing that's going to (laughs) happen. For some reason, I think it already is a thing, though. I'm sure they're trying. I think I mean, it's already it's every a thing. man's dream to be able to just walk in. Well, it has to be a thing because of sex change operations. So it has to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. But we just functional? decided. Is it functional? I don't know. Because that's a whole system of capillaries that that engorge the 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 flaccid penis and make it turgid. You like all this? Yeah. I don't know. This is a very complicated thing. I'm. I'm it's not my specialty. <laughs> If you wag your finger, mm-hmm. it is not my specialty. <laughs> well, I, you know, listen, we're going to leave it with the big dick. So if you would like to submit a bumper telling us how much you hate the show, please do 657-464-7609. You can also email a recording of yourself from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We're getting them every day and I love them. Please keep them coming. And this goes for our international listeners as well. While the phone number might be inconvenient for you, please record yourself on your smartphone. And like I said, email it to idoubtit at dollamore.com. 
Since our page went underwent a little bit of a facelift, it makes it a little easier to find that Amazon search bar if you're going to buy a book or if you're going to... Well, you probably can't buy home surgery kits to reduce the size of your penis at home so that you probably can't find that on Amazon. But there's a, 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 a cadre of other categories of merchandise that you could find there. If you're going to spend your money at Amazon anyway, please do us a favor. Use our Amazon search bar. Every purchase goes a long way towards supporting your favorite show filled with news, news and ridiculous comment. So we'll leave you there. Until next time, we love you. We love hearing from you. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been yet another I Doubt It. But maybe he's doing uh, 5 to 10 for for uh, insertion. <laughs>